Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we begin a study of 1 Samuel. If you have a Bible with you, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and follow along while I read. There was a certain man of Ramathium Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Joram, son of Elhu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. 
So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. As we begin a study of the book of 1 Samuel, we will be looking at a book that deals primarily with the life of Saul. We get introduced to Saul by a man named Samuel, and we see the fall of Saul as he interacts with a young man named David. So we get a lot about these three men in this book, but it starts off with the story of a woman, a woman named Hannah. And in this first chapter of 1 Samuel, we learn some lessons from Hannah, lessons that served her well, that prepared her son for the life he would live and be an example for all of us through the ages. First of all, in the life of Hannah, we see that we have to be willing to persist or endure the trials of life. Life doesn't always unfold on our terms. There are many things that can affect us, and how we view those and respond to those in large part shape who we become. And in the life of Hannah, we see that her persistence led to a revelation of God's will in her life, because she continued to handle her circumstances in godly ways. It became clear to her exactly what God wanted from her and what she should be working toward. We see similar things with other characters in Scripture. And in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, the writer there says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. I can't get into everything that's included in that verse, but what we see is even in the life of Jesus, it was his persistence in doing the will of God that he began to be able to show what obedience meant to everyone, and in doing so, became the perfect source for eternal salvation. Our persistence will lead us to a revelation of God's will. Very often, what we're needing from God is not for him to reveal something new, but for us to keep doing what he's asked us to until it starts to make sense to us. God knows what he's planned for us. Sometimes it takes our persistence and obedience before it becomes clear to us. Hannah was experiencing a great deal of hardship in her life between not being able to have a child and the antagonism of her husband's other wife. She often felt very sad and was struggling to find her purpose. But what we see in her life is that the hardships that she endured prepared her to be used in great ways. As she endured those hardships and continued to conform her life to the will of God, he was able to use her for something very special. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, James writes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hannah shows us that with persistence and obedience to God's will, 
He can take even our darkest circumstances and make something special of them. But we see from Hannah we also must be willing to empty ourselves. As Hannah has gone up to the temple and she's laying at the steps, she's pouring her heart out to God. She's laid herself bare and she is willing to give up everything to be used by God. God lets us know that we need to be willing to empty ourselves to make room for Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 16, it says, According to the riches of his glory, may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Our hearts are to be a throne for God. Jesus is to live there as our king and directing our lives. But until we empty out that space and surrender it to him, we will not be making the most of the opportunities that God has given us. And we should note here that emptying ourselves, giving up ourselves for the purposes of God can look very foolish to others. Remember, as Hannah was praying, Eli was convinced she was drunk. He even scolds her for the way she's behaving in public. But it was in that moment that she looked so ridiculous to the bystanders that she was giving herself totally to God. When we get to the New Testament, Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And he says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Paul lets us know that God has always chosen the things that appear weak and insignificant to the rest of the world to show his power. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, he says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And it's not his own strength he's talking about. It's because he's emptied himself that God can be there and be his strength. So Hannah has let us know the importance of dealing with life and its hardships in godly ways the need to empty ourselves so that God can dwell within us and provide for us the strength that we need to overcome. But she also shows us that the realization of that comes with a need to make a commitment. We need to commit ourselves to God. If God has that kind of power and that capacity and desires to dwell in us and work through us so desperately, we should commit ourselves to him and his purposes. Hannah may have been tempted to believe that having a child would make her complete. But what she comes to know through the course of the story is that no other person could make her complete. It was when she gave herself to God that she found satisfaction. In Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 19, Scripture says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them, making the most in this life and being prepared for the next can only happen when we are committed to God and his will. 
And when Hannah realized what she should do, she vowed to do it. When she realized that any offspring she had should be devoted to the Lord, she made that commitment and followed through on it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared us to do good things. That's what we're equipped for. That's what we're designed for. And as we come to realize the things that God wants us to do, we should commit to him that we are going to do them. And then just like Hannah, we should validate our commitment because our vow to God means nothing if we don't follow through with the proper actions. The vow that Hannah made wouldn't have meant anything if she hadn't brought the child back after he had been weaned. The New Testament is full of passages that tell us how important it is that we do the things that God asks us to do. Because we've committed our lives to Him, we have responsibility. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9 says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus was dealing with people who were giving lip service to the idea that God had sent a Messiah, but it wasn't motivating them to take the right kind of actions, to have the right kind of heart, to become the kind of people that do the things that God wants instinctively. And James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you hear the Word of God and can even answer questions about it, you can even tell other people what was said, that means very little. You've deceived yourself into thinking you're something you're not unless you're following through on the commitment that you've been called to. And in the same book of James, this time chapter 2, verse 26, James writes, For as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. We talk about being saved by faith, but a saving faith is one that's active. We need to validate the commitment we've made to God. When we gave our life to Him, are we following through with that commitment? We also see in Hannah's life that fulfilling that vow will take sacrifice. She actually takes her son to the temple, to be raised in the temple, to be of service to God. The thing that she wanted so desperately in her life, she's giving over to God for his purposes. And in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we read, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're told that we need to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, that he is our example, and we should be willing to suffer as much as he did if that's what it takes to participate in the will of God. And not only is it important that we act on our commitment, that we validate that commitment by doing all that we can to live up to it, we have to be willing to pass that on. There's an interesting play on words here. You remember in the story that The child was called Samuel, which means God hears or God heard. And she said she did that because she had inquired of God about the child, and he heard her. And so at the end of the chapter, the translation I read said that she lent Samuel to the Lord. The word there is the same word as where she said she asked God for Samuel. It's to inquire. 
She had inquired of God for Samuel, and now Samuel would inquire of God for the people, and especially for King Saul. We'll see it about 12 times in the course of this book where Samuel inquires of God to make sure that the king and the nation are aligned with God's will. Hannah passed that on to her son. And in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, Jesus talks to his disciples and lets them know that he's given them everything they need. Now they have to pass it on. It says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus doesn't come and rescue us just so that we can be saved. He saves us so that we can pass it on. That's God's plan for having his kingdom grow in this world, is for those who are committed to it to follow through on their commitment and pass it on. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.